0: All right, welcome back in. It's 412 here on the Blitz 1170, streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app. You can hit us up on the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line, 918 262 5072. We've had to move some things around due to the uh, basketball game starting today. It's kind of shifted some guests around, and uh, I can't thank Colin Kennedy enough. For joining us here from Sooners Illustrated on the Blitz 1170. Not typically here on this Wednesday. Normally joins us on Thursdays at 5 o'clock. But Colin, what's going on, buddy? How are you?
1: Anything to help you, sir. You know,
0: I'm on the. uh, Anything to help me at all? Anything?
1: I'm on the free 99 (laughs) payroll over here. So I'm, uh, I'm doing what I can for the low cost of $0. But, I mean, look, here's the thing. You know, you have to wake up every day, and you have to fight the fight of the Brussels Sprout community. And so sometimes when you go through even more adversity, I just need to be there to alleviate
0: well, that. So uh, it's a welcome burden. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, as we were discussing earlier, I am also a fan of uh, black licorice and grapefruit juice as well. So I don't know God. where where, you, where you're at on those two Colin, other where entities. are you on
2: grapefruit or <laughs> grapefruit juice? I...
0: Grapefruit
1: in general is one of the worst fruits of all time. So, like, why preach? Yes. I mean, objectively, what else is there about you that we need to get out in the open? If that's what today's subject is, I'm fine with opening Pandora's
2: box because clearly there's a lot of junk in there.
0: (laughs) Well, we were uh, just—I don't even know how we got into it off the top of the show.
2: I—I stole a gummy bear from my son's gummy bear stash and it happened to be a grapefruit-flavored gummy bear, which is as bad as it sounds, Colin. And I've been burping up grapefruit flavor all day, and it's terrible. It's it's unbearable. And Pop was like, that sounds great to me.
0: Yeah, I'd like a nice, fresh-squeezed grapefruit juice. It's it's wonderful. The
2: grapefruit is like if you dipped
1: some, some so, sort of, like, Foul smelling armpit into acid and then you made it in the shape of a melon and you force someone <laughs> to eat that. That awful stench and like battery tasting smell. And for some reason, Pop, your 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 plate, when they have the little portion size on this little plate thing, because you probably have those two in your house, it has like grapefruits and Brussels sprouts and all this nonsense. And we can't even get you to eat, like, a, a normal steak or something to that effect. No, no like, I, I
0: I love steak, but I also enjoy a nice piece of black licorice to go along with my steak, too, or a nice and, glass of grapefruit juice. You know
1: how much of a serial killer you have to be to be <laughs> finishing up grapefruit and Brussels sprouts for dinner and have a black licorice for dessert? I mean, seriously, like, we need to put you on some sort of no-fly list.
2: He's on a FBI watch list, list. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, already am. Already am for sure. <laughs>
1: so concerned
0: uh all right so uh, there's been a uh i mean it's never ending it seems for you i uh i always marvel at just the amount of info that continues to pour out day in day out around the oklahoma program um what's been kind of more the angle that you're keeping an eye on right now everything that's happening with with some of the uh games here at the end of the season like that we have that's currently taking place right now or are you more of transfer portal mode right now
1: yeah, I think the big thing to monitor at this time is the dead period has ended, as has the transfer portal window. So, essentially, we kind of have a who's who, this is who it's going to be type of situation, and visits can start again. Oklahoma has a transfer portal defensive lineman on campus currently. And, look, like, I, you know, I, I'm down here in San Antonio right now for the All-American Bowl. There are a couple of guys signed to Oklahoma who are going to play in the game. There are a few others obviously going through the Under Armour All-American game right now as well. But to me, with the dead period being lifted and the transfer portal window closing, you know now you kind of have your guys. Like You know the talent pool that's available, and in my opinion that's about as relevant as it gets, especially considering the unpredictable nature of these times. And so I think for Oklahoma, man, it's it's a lot to navigate, but you have had kind of the the few days off after the Alamo Bowl, and it sounds like most of the staff was able to get a little bit of a holiday break in. And so, to me, I think this is kind of the time frame where things really start to pick back up. I mean, they're going to have Caden Woolard on campus today. They're expecting Nick Scowerton this weekend, and the portal is going to continue to move. It's just now, I think, the more notable aspect of this is that they kind of know who's actually available for taking rather than waiting maybe on a domino or two to fall. So
2: it'll be interesting,
1: man. I mean, they, they, they now have the opportunity to kind of hone in and try and round out this portal class ahead of spring.
2: What were your thoughts on the, uh, the hometown kid Malaska from Utah committing to Oklahoma?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, again, it's a really unique approach by OU the ability to utilize name, image, and likeness in order to get scholarship-caliber players as a preferred walk-on. I mean, we've seen that with Andy Bass, who was just named Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Oklahoma. Bergen Kaiser is a defensive end out of Edmond, Santa Fe, who I believe had an offer from Oklahoma State and turned that down to take a NIL-PWO opportunity at Oklahoma. And Malaska, in my opinion, to get a six-foot-two corner in-state who has a connection to a 2025 recruit that you've offered as well, to get him as a PWO, that's a pretty ridiculous effort if you ask me. And this is, again, this is one of the unique ways that Oklahoma has decided that they're going to embrace the new age of college football. And everyone's kind of doing their own thing. But for OU to essentially try to upgrade the competitive depth across the board and even make practices a little bit tougher for the starting 11 by adding scholarship caliber players through PWO opportunities, I think it's a really cool concept. And in the case of Malaska, it's only going to benefit this program from a recruiting perspective and on field perspective. When you bring in a guy who was just at Utah, as a cornerback,
0: what type of player are they getting in Malaska?
1: I'm a long armed six foot two frame. I think he's someone that has a lot of athleticism, but he's very raw. You know, when he was at Bethany, He made some plays on both sides of the ball, if I remember correctly. He had a little bit of bounce to him, and there are ball skills there that are in place. And I'm of the belief that if Utah, a program like Utah, says that you're worth a scholarship at corner, then you're probably pretty darn good at something. And I think in the case of Alaska, his lengthy frame plus some of the natural athletic traits, you pair that and you say, okay, worst comes to worst we're putting a dude on our practice squad who's going to give our offense a living hell. Now, I do think he has a higher ceiling than that, but the big thing with Malaska is you have these natural traits, right? These kind of God-given abilities, the long arms, the six foot two height at corner, which is premier from a perimeter defender perspective. Uh, And then you've got these athletic abilities. Well, you got to now make him mold out into a well-rounded cornerback and Utah is usually very good about developing all of that stuff. Well, now he leaves Utah. And so for Oklahoma, if you're going to get the most out of him, it's now about making sure that Alaska takes all the natural stuff and turns it into something that he can produce at the highest level in the power five in the sec.
2: You tweeted earlier today, um, Blake Smith is in the portal. Um, You know, that's a position that obviously Oklahoma has has not been good in and needs to improve, but, you know, I know Blake Smith wasn't necessarily a giant contributor, but even from a numbers standpoint, Colin, I mean, that's one of those spots that feels like they're very thin.
1: Yeah, I think the fascinating aspect of this is they've obviously put in a lot of effort to overhaul the tight end position completely, right? I mean, they – They're set to bring in Devon Mitchell, who was just out at the Under Armour All-American game and still is. He is impressed from everything that I have been told. He's going to come in as an early enrollee freshman, and you would expect that guy to play right away, but you still want to allow a young player the opportunity to develop. And so they've went out and got someone like Bauer Sharp, a real tall, long, tight end prospect from southeastern Louisiana, He's going to have to adjust to the next level, and so one guy I would say to continue to monitor for Oklahoma is Jake Roberts, the former Baylor tight end. He was also at North Texas under Seth Luttrell. He's actually a product of Norman North High School, just down the street. You know, a lot of intel and indications are pointing towards Roberts being a a target and a serious potential partnership for OU, and I think Blake Smith. You know, I put that out. It really didn't surprise me because I think the big thing with Blake is he's kind of your your two-point stance, H-back tight end who was very good at blocking at times over the course of the season. And I think Jake Roberts' skill set fits that exactly and maybe a little bit more. And so, yeah, like I think losing Blake Smith, that's going to hurt you in the run game. It can hurt you in the pass protection side of things. But Also, he's someone, in my opinion, who A&M, when he transferred out of Texas A&M, they weren't necessarily upset about the loss. I don't think Oklahoma's necessarily upset about this loss either. Maybe that's something to do with Blake Smith, but that's also just the fact that OU's got to get a lot better at that position. And if they're able to replace Blake with someone like a Jake Roberts while bringing in a Devon Mitchell and a Bauer Sharp, you know, all of a sudden you're probably feeling a lot better about the tight end room compared to this past season, especially when you consider the fact that maybe a, a young player like a Caden Helms gets healthy and meets that expectation level that a lot of us have had for him for a very long time. So Oklahoma Oklahoma's kind of in that like step-by-step process of making it an exciting room that was once a serious weakness, but It's got to get a little bit ugly before it gets pretty, and I think they're getting through the back end of that process.
0: I think the other thing that's intriguing right now as Colin Kennedy joins us here on the Blitz 1170 is keeping an eye on actually who's returning, and you can start projecting the 2024 depth chart, and one of those that was kind of, I don't want to say a complete shock, but one of those that at least were able to draw some uh, big eye emojis was Woody Washington returning back for 2024.
1: Yeah, and you know, to me like as someone who studies studies the NFL draft pretty extensively you know i look at woody and i think okay 6 year guy if he were to come back probably wants to explore some options would like to go through the draft process but when you really kind of boil it down you know the NFL draft is all about how do you stand out i mean you if you aren't elite at everything you've got to be great at something and i think woody washington's just a really good football player but because of that there are gonna be a lot of frames very similar to him. There's gonna be a lot of players with a very similar tape to him. And I think he's not necessarily someone with a ton of length or a ton of elite athletic traits. He was probably gonna to have to really battle through the draft process, whether that's the 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 pro day or maybe trying to earn an NFL combine invite, which isn't a guarantee. You know, Woody was gonna to have to fight through a lot of stuff in order to shoot his way up draft boards, and I personally felt like at max he was kind of a day three guy. And so if he got a draft grade back that he wasn't pleased with, I don't blame him one bit. You know, I think it's kind of cool. He's a product of the state of Tennessee. Oh, he's going to play Tennessee next season. I think that's going to be kind of a cool moment for him. He gets to go into the SEC next year, put some of that on tape have another year under his belt with the strength and conditioning program. So maybe he can get bigger on the outside. And and the other part of that too, you know, he he didn't necessarily have a great Alamo bowl either. And when you kind of leave that sour taste in your mouth after the season, it not only makes you want to come back stronger and put that game to the side, but it, it certainly sends you into the off season with something that people are going to talk about. And so I think it makes a lot makes a lot of sense. I think for him, it, it's an opportunity to lead this team into a new conference, a, a big time conference, and play meaningful, high level ball against quality competition. And for Oklahoma, it's it's about as welcomed of news as you'd ever ask for outside of Danny Stutzman and Billy Bowman returning. So this defense is already arguably one of the most exciting that Oklahoma fans will be anticipating for in recent memory because of all the returning production and woody washington's a big part of that but I, I think if you really boil down the decision it makes a lot of sense for both parties and i think it's going to be a really exciting aspect of this team going into 2024
2: colin speaking of the alamo bowl last week we were getting ready for the alamo bowl and and talked about about a lot of different scenarios um you know maybe what what would play out and and how much of a panic button the sooner fan base would hit this off season, and and with jackson arnold you know, a young guy that, that needs some experience, but also has incredible upside. And I think we saw both on display, right?
1: Yeah. I think what's cool about this, ironically, to a degree is that that truly wasn't a performance that you can overreact to. I mean, there was, there was good, there was bad, but he still goes out there and he, he throws for a few bills. He's, he's, got the turnover bug biting him a little bit against a really quality team. And I think, again, like, it was kind of what we talked about exactly. He He's going to have his highs and he's going to have his lows. It was his first start in a big-time atmosphere, and Arizona was incredibly motivated. You could see that. But that wasn't shocking. What I think was shocking more than anything was just the unrealistic expectation level that Oklahoma fans were – at times placing on him. And so for him to navigate that game and it results in a loss, but I, I think if anything, it shows him, Hey, you can play at this level, but there's still a lot to learn. And so from an Alamo bull pers- like, I, I think that he, he had the kind of game that maybe he needed to have. And I know that's, it's kind of a, a cop out because no one, no one wants to talk about how losses are beneficial, but, I think if Jackson Arnold had gone out there and completely diced it up, and there was nothing really to learn, well, then the the unrealistic expectations grow even more exponentially, and and I don't think that's fair to him, especially going into a a 2024 season that's going to be one of the more difficult that Oklahoma's seen in a very long time. So, I was encouraged with some of the stuff they put on tape. I mean, some of those throws were spectacular, but. When you have some of those turnover issues, when you're holding on to the ball too long and stuff like that arises, it at least allows you to continue to grow not only physically from a game perspective, but mentally. And I think that he'll learn from that, that game, and next thing you know, he's going to be on track to be that special quarterback everyone's, everyone's waiting to see.
0: I mean, for crying out loud, the kid needs seat time. That's what bowl games of that level have now turned into. We've had this discussion about bowl games being essential, you know, an early kickoff to the spring football season for a lot of programs, especially in the opt-out season. Like, he needs seat time. There's going to be moments, even in 2024, in the first year in the SEC, where he has one of those moments where you're like that's just because the kid doesn't have enough playing time under his belt right now he's going to learn but you've got to start somewhere and for anyone to go overboard one way or the other uh in what they saw i think is you're just causing yourself more anxiety as a fan than anything else if you're going overboard with what you saw in the alamo bowl
1: 100 percent. and i i think that when you look at that schedule next year i mean it's It's going to hand you a couple losses, and he's going to have a hard time at times navigating an SEC slate that, in my opinion, is is one of the most difficult schedules in the country. I mean, the Ole Miss, what they've done in the transfer portal this cycle, and that team is going to be special. Tennessee with with Nico Yamaliava, that could turn into a quarterback duel in the blink of an eye. and some of these other, these other matchups from Alabama's to the LSU's and then obviously the Texas game is still there and, and Texas continues to build off of that playoff appearance even though it was a, a loss. You know, Jackson Arnold's going to have hard times next year. Like, that's, that's going to happen. He's not going to be perfect. He's going to be probably very similar at times to what you saw in the Salamo Bowl. But that's, I personally always welcome some of this stuff when it comes up on tape. Because I, I believe that, yeah, it's an Alamo Bowl loss. You, you lose to a program like Arizona, and the casual Oklahoma fan is frustrated. But it, it hopefully is kind of that gratifying reminder of quarterbacks especially, young, talented, heralded guys, they're still young players, and they still have a lot going on. And they they need to be molded because of that adjustment that has to take place from the high school level where you were the best of the best to the collegiate level where everything picks up a whole other notch. You know, Jackson Arnold is going to be, in my opinion, a first-round pick one day. I mean, he's, he was the Gatorade player of the year for a reason. And for him to have that first start under his belt, it, it's not the end of the hard times but it at least kind of gets a little bit of it out of the way. And now he can learn how to handle that because there's going to be adversity faced next season. And so if he, if he looks back on this Alamo bowl and asks himself how he can do better, what he needs to be doing in those moments and how he can then apply that in the 2024 season. I mean, he's going to be able to navigate expectations far better than maybe he did in that Alamo bowl game. But even then, I mean, the dude still threw for a ton of yards, had some pretty spectacular tosses, and put some points on the board. Yeah, it's it's going to be hard next season, but that comes with the process, and I think this is an important step of allowing that process to play out.
2: Next Monday night, Michigan, Washington. Who do you like? Man,
1: you know, this is uh, this is a tough one, man, because I – I've kind of fallen in love with you, Dub. And I I will say this, man, you know, Michigan, that defense what they what they showed in that Alabama game, I thought was spectacular. That pass rush was was incredible, especially in the first half, but we also kind of knew that Alabama's offensive line in pass pro had struggled over the course of the season, and I think that Michigan had a very effective game plan going in essentially targeting certain weak links and then forcing Jalen Milrow to make decisions in the blink of an eye in an accelerated timeline. He hadn't seen since the early days of Alabama football this year, where it wasn't so great out of the gate. And I think Michigan's defense, Will Johnson to me is one of my favorite players in college football to watch right now, because what that guy does at corner, I want to see how he handles this Washington receiving core, but I think I'm kinda of leading you, Dub, as surprising as that may be, because I don't know of a quarterback playing better football right now, obviously going into this than Michael Penix. I mean, even even when Jaden Daniels was gardening or all that Heisman uh attention, and deservedly so, you know, Penix Penix has time and again shown on the big stage that he will go out there and he will hurt you on a down and down basis. And that that group, I mean, Jalen Polk is, is awesome Jalen McMillan getting healthy is, is really fun to watch as well and then I'm just I really like Roma Doonze he's probably my number two wide receiver in this year's NFL draft class I just feel like UW could put Michigan in a position where if they're playing behind the chains they're playing off schedule you know maybe Washington punches them in the mouth and then Braylon Trice gets to pin the ears back like I I think this Washington team is kind of that new-age build of teams that maybe isn't traditionally built to win the championship but is in the current context of the sport, if that makes sense. So, like, I I think Michigan is rightfully the favorite, but I'm starting to talk myself into Washington because they just do not lose, and they win these games in the way that you kind of have to play in today's college football.
2: So
0: here's the point that we were bringing up yesterday. I think you have the two best examples of the t- of two teams in college football that play the m- best version of complementary football with what Michigan does offensively and defensively uh and with what Washington does even with an offense that has the ability to run at tempo and and have the pace that they have but they don't have to rely on it. There's a there's a difference in their type of up tempo offense with the team that has to run it all the time Washington doesn't they can kind of mix and match and go at different paces and different tempos on that and still be just as effective even if they're not trying to go as fast as what some other teams in the country are and it and it works perfectly with how how they're built defensively I think it's an awesome matchup
1: it, it's it's fascinating because I think you hit the nail on the head you know UW is built to play almost any sort of football game that you want I mean they Dylan Johnson, apparently his his X-rays came back negative, which is fantastic news. I mean, he, in the back end of the season, was going on an Ollie Gordon type of run at running back for Dub. I think he's a really good football player, and they can lean on him and Troy Fatanu and some of these big offensive linemen that they have, Nate Colepo. Love, like, they, they can play smash-mouth football. But then they can also go tempo, and get you off your feet a little bit and force you to play on your heels, which they kind of did to Texas, you know, Texas struggled at times facing things in pass defense or going up against up-tempo teams. And Washington said, all right, we'll play that game. But in the same sense, when they play Oregon, they were like, all right, we we can run the ball on you. You want to play some smash mouth ball? Like we, we've got no problem with that. And, No matter what UW's offense does, and it can do a number of different things no matter what the game asks, you know, Washington's defense, it isn't a great unit. But facing that Michigan offense where you kind of know what you're getting into, I can see a world where that UW defense goes out and impresses again because of the time to develop a game plan, because of some of the things that you would expect out of Michigan, how you can counter that. Like, again, I talk myself into Washington more because I think they can play almost any kind of game that you ask. Do I think Michigan can do the same? Maybe not. And I think it's a really interesting dynamic because once the the tone of the game is set through the first few drives, I think Washington can adjust to that a little bit quicker than Michigan. And I think that's why you saw the Wolverines kind of slip up a little bit in the middle of that game against Alabama. But I don't know that Washington would be placed in a similar setting. I think, if anything, Washington has struggled later in games. But because of UW's ability to put points on the board quickly, if Michigan can play keep up for all four quarters, all props to them. But I got to go and see them do it first.
2: Either way, Colin, I think it's going to be a really fun championship. And hopefully for the first time in, what, five years, we'll have a competitive – final in the national championship game i sure hope so but those semifinals were awesome so no doubt
1: we're cool you gotta let it play it through
0: did we lose colby (laughs) i think we, we lost him there at the end colin i appreciate you buddy uh for coming on and uh hope that you enjoy uh your time there in san antonio and we'll check in again with you next week
1: all right, fellas, I will see you all next week.
0: All right, that is uh, Colin Kennedy joining us here on the Blitz 1170 as we stream live on the Blitz 1170 app. Uh, reminder, you can join us anytime that you like on the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line, 918-262-5072. That's 918-262-5072. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. Got about 20 minutes until we hit Oklahoma State pregame here on the Blitz 1170 with an early game today at 5 o'clock. And I, in the quarterback conversation, I have one of my friends text me and say that in his opinion, Jackson Arnold is this generation's Rhett Mar, And he said, mark it down that I said it on this day, January 3rd, 2024. All right, let's not go completely overboard yet. Uh, more on the Blitz 1170 after this timeout.